What's up everybody and welcome to episode 7 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you got a health issue that just won't go away no matter what you try? Then welcome to the Revive Yourself podcast, where we reveal the secrets to long-lasting health by getting to the root cause of problems that no one else is talking about. So you can have more energy, clear skin, healthier hair, a leaner physique, more confidence, and most importantly, do the things you love and live the life you deserve. Here's your host, Ryan Martin. So guys, welcome to episode 7, and I uh, hope you're all well, having a good day. It's um, It's been obviously a busy, busy time for me, got lots going on, which is really good, um, and I hope you guys are all well out there too. So last episode with Dr. Sherry Tenpenny went really well, I mean lots of good feedback from that, um, and if you've got any questions, as I said before, send them through. Today's guest, however, is Dr. Joel Kahn, and he is an American cardiologist. Well, he specializes in heart health, um, and he's actually got some really good, he's actually got a really cool vegan restaurant over in uh, America too, which you can check out, um, and we go into that in the interview. So, um, don't really want to spend uh, too long talking here, I'm just going to let you get into it and enjoy it. So here he is, Dr. Joel Kahn. Enjoy, guys. And uh, let me know what you think. Uh, hi, guys, and welcome to another episode of Revive Yourself with Ryan Martin. And today's guest, we have Dr. Joel Kahn, and he is the author of well, his latest book is Dead Execs, Don't Get Bonuses, The Ultimate Guide to Survive Your Career with a Healthy Heart. And just before we get into, um, get into this interview, I just want to go through, this is a particular particularly well it's a particular issue that hits quite close to home for a lot of people which is half health uh, heart health i should say and the stats on this are are quite quite damning um so just want to say hello joe how are you today well good day to you and everything is uh beautiful for what is usually snowy and gray michigan in february state of michigan we're Going to hit a record tomorrow, and we had a 70 degree day uh, Fahrenheit. So, anyways, everybody's spirits are up because uh, the weather's prematurely good. Uh, that's good. It's good over here, actually, as well. It's been about 13 degrees, and that's unusual for February in London. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty warm over here. So, just to, just to start, I just want to go into some stats around heart disease, just to get to paint a picture for everyone. So, I know in in the US, I think it's about 700 thousand a year die from um, heart disease, but in the, in the UK, um, circulatory disease gets uh, one, 160,000 a year deaths. Coronary heart disease is 73,000 deaths. Uh, stroke is 40,000 a year. Cardiovascular oh. disease is 42,000. Um, and that's every seven minutes someone has a heart attack. Every 12 minutes someone has a stroke. Um, there's 1.2 million men and 900,000 women living with angina. And wow. and it costs the the uh, the UK taxpayer nineteen billion a year. Um, so so there's a lot going on. I think it's globally seventeen point three million people die from cardiovascular disease, thirty uh, percent of all deaths. So it's a subject that really needs to be be expanded. But people need to know more about it. Definitely. Um, so just so people know, Joe, uh, Joe what 
What actually is coronary heart disease? Yes, so coronary heart disease is only one kind of heart disease. It's not a hole in the heart that a baby might have. It's not the condition for which you might get a pacemaker that's called an arrhythmia. Coronary heart disease, coronary are the three arteries that sit on top of the heart like a crown. And that's where the word comes from, corona or crown. Um, these three arteries are responsible for feeding the heart blood nonstop, uh, 60, 70, 80 beats a minute, 100,000 heartbeats a day, and billions and billions of heartbeats in a lifetime. And the magic of that happening without thinking about it is a constant fuel supply. If those arteries get damaged and clogged, which happens distressingly frequently with all the statistics, and they can be arteries to the heart, and that'd be coronary heart disease clogged, or they could be the arteries to the brain, carotid arteries, that would be more of a risk of stroke. But we unfortunately have uh, seen a tremendous increase. There probably has been coronary heart disease for thousands of years. Fascinating studies on mummies that have been x-rayed and CAT scanned, and they had evidence even back then of some degree of artery disease. But since about the 1940s, 1950s, you can insert since McDonald's entered America, uh, you know, we've really seen a rapid rise, and the greatest gift of the United States to the world has often been our KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken, and Wendy's, and uh, I'd throw most of Starbucks in that and all the rest. But um, we're seeing a big rise, and it isn't going away. It's still the number one killer of men and women in most Western countries. Yeah, um, I mean, over here, I think it's one in six, one in six men and one in ten women. Um, why is it men how are more prone to this than women? Well, it's actually in the course, it's an important question. In the course of an entire lifetime, men and women are at equal risk. Men are at risk earlier in life on average. Something about being premenopausal may protect women unless they're heavy smokers, unless they have early diabetes in life. But most women are relatively insulated from developing coronary heart disease, at least in terms of seeing a doctor for it, until their 60s, 70s, 80s, where men, 30s, 40s, 50s. And it may be the stress of providing an income, although, of course, many, many, many households are now double-income households, or sometimes it's just the woman that provides it. It may be what I think is the pig-headedness of men, that uh, stubbornness, uh, lack of information, that my beef, my chicken, my ribs, my burger, what I need to build my muscle. And unfortunately, they get with that saturated fat and cholesterol and chemicals that have new names like TMAO. And, and uh, you know, that, that male stubborn psyche is uh, actually uh, going to rob them of both their sexuality and uh, their maybe very life, too. So, it's a, you know, it's a complex equation. Okay, I mean, it is quite a complex equation. Um, yeah, I mean, you've, you've called it in your book before, and it has been called before, uh, Silent Killer. Um, and you heard a story in your book about um, El... I can't if you say his name right. El May Mona. Um, and it was about him going out for a bike ride and basically never coming back, which was quite a... Yeah, 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 quite exactly. A, quite yeah. a touching story. I was going to just say, just, just quickly, my we had it in my family. Unfortunately, my my mum's um, brother went out one day. Um, I think he was about 46, and he just never came back. Um, so, we, we, I mean, it's probably a story that a lot of families have been affected by. And, I mean, you, you right. one of the stats that you said is 
uh, for 50% of people, the first sign of vascular disease is sudden death. Um, yeah, that is a uh, rather sobering statistic. Yeah, it is. So, can is it, if it's explain what, why, why would, how comes people just don't know that this is going on inside them? There's no, how comes it is the first sign is sudden death? How comes people just seem to there's no there's no sort of pre symptom. Yeah, you know, I've been practicing cardiology for about thirty years and have been you know fortunate to be involved in hundreds of thousands, you know, tens of thousands of patients, but. Maybe I've looked at hundreds of thousands of cardiac studies. Um, the heart is a very um, adaptable organ, so some people just never get a warning. I've been in the cath lab hundreds of times putting a balloon in a heart artery to treat it, watching all the blood flow stop, asking a person, now that you have no blood flow going down that gigantic artery, are you feeling pain? Are you feeling tightness? Are you feeling pressure? Doctor, I feel great. I don't know what you're doing. So some people just can't develop a warning system. And that's unfortunate. They may be the same people that go to the dentist and don't mind, you know, getting their teeth drilled. They don't complain. Something about a pain threshold being different or higher. Now, you know, and there are people that uh, don't mind getting their blood drawn. There are people that can't stand the pain of the needle. Um, it's different nerve density. And then the other fact is, when your arteries are starting to get clogged up by lifestyle, by environmental toxins, air pollution, it's a very complex equation in this decade of ours, um, there's a lot of ways the heart can adapt. So when your arteries is 20, 30, 40, 50, 60% clogged, only 30, 40% open, you still get enough blood flow that for most activities, your heart's not really lacking oxygen. And you're not going to have a symptom. Now, by the time it's 80 or 90% clogged, you're probably going to be winded, tired, or have tightness of pressure. And then the, the, even if you have a 100% blocked artery, the heart can develop. It's called a collateral. The other two arteries can help out the one that's 100% blocked. So it can fake everybody out. You know, we, do, we finally do a definitive test. And the day we tell a patient they have heart disease, we're telling them they have a bunch of 100% blocked arteries. But doctor, I didn't have any symptoms till two days ago. Yeah, but your heart is so able to cope and compensate, which is in one sense a good thing, but in the other sense, you know, the day they're out there in the cold, uh, you know, carrying a briefcase or pushing a child and, you know, and they had an argument with a spouse and, you know, uh, is the day they may just drop dead um, because they're really the heart doesn't always give warning. So Imre Molnar, the gentleman you mentioned, or, you know, um, Alan Thicke, the actor, died not long ago, although he died of a different form of heart disease. The heart is not perfect at giving us the warnings, which is why we have to do more, both with our lifestyle to protect our heart, and we have to do more to avoid and, and detect the problem early. And we can talk about early detection, because I want everybody listening to hear my spiel on that. Hundred percent, and when we'll get when we we'll get into, it. I mean, I'm just saying that I I, um, I heard you speak before, and you actually have said that there are some symptoms that you can account for, but people probably wouldn't wouldn't um, correlate them to having heart disease. One of them was in men was erectile dysfunction. Um, ah, it's funny you say that. Literally, the reason I started this conversation a couple of minutes late was a 49 year old man saw for the first time no known heart disease. But his cholesterol's up a bit. He's worried his father had a bypass surgery. And that is his predominant symptom, is what you just mentioned. And he's, you know, 
and that has to trigger, you know, the arteries to the groin that are responsible for a male erection are arteries, and they're not all that dissimilar from the arteries that serve as a crown on top of the heart. And you can, because they're actually smaller, the arteries to the groin, they may be the first sign that uh, there's a problem. So if a man used to be able to and now can't achieve or maintain an erection, it, it may be screaming out, I need blood flow, I need blood flow. And the first thing I'm going to do is actually go above the waist and check the heart. Okay, I mean, that's, because uh, I mean, most men just wouldn't think, they'd probably think it was something to do with their, maybe obviously if you can't get an erection, people, men think it's something to do with their, um, maybe their like, psychology behind not being able to get one, so it's quite important for people, men to hear that, because it's, it's quite a big sign, I'd say, it's quite a big sign, and the other, you mentioned four others that I've heard, um, one of them I want to get to in a bit more depth, you mentioned cramping in the, the calves and thighs, you said that could be quite a, a late, a late symptom, um, excessive snoring and sleep apnea, uh, baldness on top of the head. But the one that um, has been mentioned before uh, was a diagonal deep crease or dent in the earlobe, um, which is quite a weird thing to see. So probably everyone's been looking uh, yeah, in the mirror right very, now. Very, very, yeah, it's called a D-E-L-C, diagonal earlobe crease. Yeah. And uh, it makes no sense why your normally smooth bottom of your earlobe may have a very deep line. Like, just think about if you wore very heavy earrings, something that was pulling down and deforming your earlobe. But these are in men who never wore earrings or women that didn't wear, you know, five-pound earrings. And um, it's been, it was described about 45 years ago and then kind of fell out of favor. Um, and uh, recent studies show it's actually pretty accurate. So looking in the mirror at the bottom of your earlobe, or what I would suggest is somebody go to Google and just do diagonal earlobe crease, look at the pictures, um, and uh, go from there and see how it, uh, how it happens. So, um, uh, and that can be a clue. Now, the, the relationship may be... Um, uh, that your arteries are, are the backbone of your arteries are collagen, collagen. So so are your earlobes, and it may be that weak arteries from diet and the rest may also be um, affecting and causing weak uh, earlobes, and that's the connection. So kind of a funny odd one that most people haven't heard about, but I'm telling you the science is pretty strong. And somebody Google's my name on that topic. I yeah. just recently wrote an article for the public on it. Okay, I'll get your people to Google that and have a read of it themselves. So, you're just talking about you want to get onto some of the tests you can take on the NHS website, which is the UK's national health website. It says, right, um, if you're at risk of a heart attack, your doctor may carry out a risk assessment, which includes blood tests, an MRI scan, MRI scan if I can speak properly, a CT scan, or a coronary angiography. Um, in your opinion, uh, are those tests good enough? And if not, what should people be getting? I mean, you've got stuff on your site, but just from the horse's mouth, what would you yeah. suggest? What well, did your list include? I think I heard you say a, a CAT scan. Yeah, CT scan. Yeah. Yeah. So that is a wonderful list that most people don't normally hear about. So the NHS is right on on that. And specifically, you can go to your doctor. Your doctor can listen to your heart, and lungs. Your doctor can grab some relatively routine blood work. 
You can even potentially have a stress test and your doctor will pat you on the back and, and say, everything's great, I'll see you in a year and you can walk out of that office all clogged up with plaque because those are all indirect um, you know, ways to check the heart. They're not direct ways. And we've learned if you want to find out if there's silent breast cancer, you know, you get a mammogram. Well, now we have the CAT scan of the heart is the equivalent. It's a 20-second test, nothing stuck in your body. You get stuck in the CAT scan. It's called a heart artery calcium scan. And you really know at age 40, 45, 50, if you're aging prematurely in the most important place you don't want to age prematurely, which is your heart arteries. Yeah, you just said something there that most people, most people would um, would say that cholesterol is going to be the most thing that impacts the heart the most. But you just said there the cal- calcium. So the cal- calcium, what what is the link between the cal- calcium and, and heart disease then? Yeah, so it was described a hundred years ago by pathologists that just like cement, and I'm not a I'm not a construction guy. But cement is a combination of water, sand, limestone, pebbles. Plaque and arteries is a combination. One of the components of almost all plaque that clogs arteries is calcium. Maybe 20%. Your arteries, 50% blocked. 20% of that mass is calcium. And then 80% might be scar tissue and cholesterol and white blood cells. But the calcium is never in the heart. It's in bones. And the heart shouldn't be a bone. Uh, you want certain things in your body hard when you want them. And I'm referring, of course, to a little sexual joke there. You don't want your heart to be hardened and calcified. So on a CAT scan, it shows up like no other. Um, and it tells you instantly what's going on. Okay. So that so that would be one of the preferred tests if, if you could get them. Yeah. Awesome. So the NHS also states that... Coronary heart disease can't be cured, but treatment can manage symptoms. Would you agree with this statement? Um, no, I think it actually can be. I would. I'm still in the fantasy land that it can be cured. In that you can, if you're very aggressive about your lifestyle, you can develop a lifestyle that's basically heart attack proof. Um, studies show if you'll emphasize predominantly lifestyle, uh, the work of a doctor. Ansel Keys, the work of a Dr. Dean Ornish, the work of a Dr. Um, Esselstyn at the Cleveland Clinic, and lately Dr. Joel Furman. But the, the, the centrality of all that is if you take animal products out of your diet, if you take oils out of your diet, and you eat, uh, if you're eating uh, items that are naturally containing fat, like some nut seeds, maybe avocados, but not adding oil in just for the heck of adding oil and such, um, you can actually halt and maybe reverse heart disease. So I do think heart disease is a, uh, <clears throat> is a tameable tiger, and a 50% blockage can actually get better with time. So uh, I'm a little more aggressive with the goal being to actually, uh, you know, reduce plaque. And I do that in my office by serially measuring the extent of blockage. And uh, I do see people that their arteries are getting younger and younger in 6 to 12 months. And it's pretty clear the more you follow the lifestyle, the more response you may enjoy. Yep. 
100%. I mean, I, I've heard you say before as well, um, you can get a negative score, as in you're, you're absolutely fine, but you can still have a blockage of around 40 to 60%. How, how comes this is... How comes this would happen? Um, in terms of the CAT scan? Yeah. That's rare, but can happen. There, Even though I just told you most plaque, like uh, the cement, has components including calcium, there is such a thing as non-calcified plaque. You know, it's very unusual to um, see somebody who has a CAT scan and the calcium score is zero. Um, and they ever have a heart problem. I mean, it's like unbelievably um, uh, infrequent. But, uh, you know, if somebody's having rather worrisome chest symptoms, I mean, if their calcium score is zero, I'm still going to listen to the patient. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just rare, but it can happen. Okay. And you were talking before there a little bit about um, Dean Ornish and Ansel Keys, etc. Um, it's been, I mean, Ansel Keys' work has been sort of cut, drawn, hung, drawn on quarters a little bit, and it's sort of gone back and forth with a lot of people in the in the health industry, etc. And I don't know if you know of the Global Healing Center. Have you heard of them before? The Global Healing Center. No, I don't know that. Okay, it's. Uh, uh, it's it's quite it's one of the biggest in in the USA, but they do a lot of holistic health, a bit like you're quite holistic in your, your own approach. Yeah. But um, they put a quote out the other day, and I mean, it's a lot a lot of people, and they they put a quote out, and I didn't know if you would agree with this or not, saying dietary saturated fat from butter or coconut oil does not raise saturated fats in fats in your blood. Um, would you agree with this or not? Yeah, I would actually. I would. Okay. So when you're saying to people they shouldn't they shouldn't be having uh, these oils, is that only for people who have already got a damaged heart or on or or on like the trying to get yeah. better? If if you're not, so, would you say they're quite right. healthy? So you know, I would present to the public that might be listening to this what I think is a fair represent. I don't have a vendetta. If I really thought that butter would cause people's heart arteries to clean out, I would prescribe butter. Okay. I I am a, <clears throat> I am myself been a vegan for forty years, yep. but I you know and I think it's going to work out okay for my health. But I have to advise patients on the science, not my whim. So, but I, but that's not the science. So on the spectrum of eating foods, very rich in animal products, butter, cheeses, marbled meats, certainly bacon, sausage, salami, bologna, and such high in saturated fat high in cholesterol, usually high in salt. If you move into the middle ground, which are vegetable oils, which have been controversial, look how they screwed up margarine. They did screw up margarine 30 years ago when they put trans fats, partially hydrogenated vegetable oil. But they've pretty much unscrewed up margarine because those have been largely legislated out of at least American foods and margarine. So organic canola oil, extra virgin olive oil, they're better than marbled meats and uh, lard and butter and ghee and Harvard School of Public Health has knocked it out of the park in the last 18 months that when you substitute even 1% of your calories you eliminate saturated fat containing foods like cheese and you put in a vegetable oil foods that might be like um, a spread a margarine spread without trans fats you've improved your risk of not having uh, heart disease and you've improved your risk of dying during 30-year follow-up studies at Harvard. And then you get to Dr. Ornish, Dr. Esselstyn, Dr. Bernard, Dr. Furman, 
where either you really want to be aggressive about protecting your health, your weight, your blood sugar, and or you're trying to reverse disease, then even those oils become fair game to eliminate. And most of us, you know, I know it's happening in England, it's happening in the United States, obesity is a problem. You know, nobody loves the added oils if you're dealing with weight. You know, the paleo movement doesn't love them, God knows. You know, the uh, heart disease reversal community, of which there's not enough of us, doesn't love them. Um, but they're better. They're an intermediary step compared to going back to Finland in the 1960s, where they ate so much darn butter and cheese, 40-year-olds were dropping dead of heart attacks more than anywhere in the world. They don't do that anymore, and their heart disease rates have you know, dropped significantly. Okay. And... Um, canola oil has been quite it's been another one that's the subject of a lot we won't go into that today because we can sit here all day and talk about it we but, can if you want yeah, it's, uh, canola oil has more support than any oil other than olive oil but you gotta buy organic because our friend Monsanto has screwed up the world oh that's... yeah I mean this is what I was going to say to you as well with Dr. Dean Ornish and everything a lot of, a lot of their programs um, it doesn't just concentrate on the food which I mean myself I'd say I'm basically a 90, 95% vegan myself, but um, it's they, they, Dr. Dean shouldn't just concentrate on the food. He also went about stress and meditation and, and exercise. So a lot of these people, when they, they, they go into this, um, they seem to, it's almost a lifestyle change as much as it is a dietary change as well. Um, would you say that has a massive impact upon their ability to recuperate their heart health um, as much as the diet? Yeah, you know, there's there's... I'm friendly with both Dr. Ornish and Dr. Esselstyn, Dr. Esselstyn of the Cleveland Clinic, and respectful of both, for sure, because they truly were pioneers. Um, But there is a difference, and Dr. Ornish came to this idea, really, even though he grew up in Dallas, Texas, father was an orthodontist, he was introduced to Eastern philosophy, yoga, um, Eastern foods as a teenager. His parents invited a very famous yogi, Sachi Dananda into the family home many times. Sachi Dananda, very famous yogi. I've read some of his books. They're amazing. He opened the Woodstock Festival okay. in 1969 because he was like, you know, he was the guy who had the peace, love, now message. Anyways, so, you know, all of Ornish's work reflects love, acceptance, social support, stress reduction, food, exercise. But he actually would tell you he thinks love and social support are as or more important than anything else. Dr. Esselstyn at the Cleveland Clinic, ex-Marine, you know, from the U.S. uh, Forces, ex-Olympic gold medalist, very disciplined man, will tell you it's all about the food. I can take care of people in a wheelchair who never exercised and they're mean and angry. I can still get their hearts better by eating well. So I think that just clears to say the food is very important. But we know that depressed, angry, lonely, isolated people, I mean, why do you want to live a long life if, you're, if you've got that situation going on? So yeah, um, it, it, it is the whole deal, uh, but it is more than food. We know how important sleep is. We know now that standing instead of sitting you know, is a rather important habit. I'm at a standing desk right now as we're talking. Yeah, I saw that as we come on. Um, it's quite. That's been quite a big shift in the in the industry as well. Yeah, people are staying desk, but that's, that's a very good point. I think it does it does make a huge difference if people start to obviously be more, more mindful, um, even just take time to relax, be have a bit more introspection. That's why things like yoga, meditation, 
Um, I think you even, I think you've had a state, uh, yeah, a quote, meditation has the power to cut your risk of heart disease by 50%. Um, uh, and so if, if there was a drug that did that, it'd be worth billions. Uh, yeah, that's true. There was a, a, a study that's completely overlooked by uh, a Professor Schneider, I think Robert Schneider, who's been doing studies with transcendental meditation, and he took about 400 people that had authentic heart attacks. Half were just treated in a standard way. Half were taught transcendental meditation and encouraged to do it twice a day. And he followed people for five years, and there was like a 48% reduction in the chance of being readmitted to the hospital, having another procedure, or dying just by focusing on stress. Now, maybe those people also started to eat better and also started to have other lifestyle habits because they were enlightened but um it's uh it's true yeah it's it seems to be it's sort of they sort of all go hand in hand right once you start to eat better you start to take care of yourself it seems to be the sort of path people go down um and it all it all it all has its benefits that all seem to come together so nicely especially meditation over myself it's been a even yoga for example or qigong it's a it's a very right exactly part of the day. yeah um so you mentioned earlier you're, i'm gonna get into this a little bit a bit before but you mentioned earlier you're a vegan and i've seen that you've actually got what i look at the menu earlier a very a very tasty vegan restaurant uh, called green space in michigan um yeah. have, have you were you vegan just for your health reasons or was it any other reasons or was it a particular scare for yourself i became vegan to score with women ah, okay oh the other <laughs> thing now that sounds a little bit like uh sting or russell simmons who said they got into yoga mainly to meet women i um I've been married for a very long time, and I've known my wife since uh, elementary school. She's a wonderful <laughs> woman. And we entered University of Michigan together at age 17 or 18. And uh, the first day in the dormitory in the cafeteria, we looked around and said salad bar. And we never have had a piece of meat since. And then pretty soon thereafter, dairy and eggs disappeared and fish. So it, it actually, you know, at the time, there wasn't a ton of data. They, nobody heard the word CAFO and animal torture. Uh, nobody was talking about destruction of the Amazon and rainforests and the ozone layers. And the health data was there, but it really was hidden. So it really was just a survival mode, and it was a good survival mode. But by the time I got into cardiology training, Dr. Ornish's data was coming out and some others, the Pritikin data, and uh, never really veered from there. Okay, so yeah, it's fair enough. This is your own journey, particularly on that course. So it was. Yeah, I've had the most interesting life by eating broccoli at an early age. It's worked out, you know, because it is such a dynamic field now to talk about, mm -hmm. you know, nutrition in general, nutrition all the way to you know completely plant based, plant perfect for cancer, dementia, heart disease, weight control, diabetes, autoimmune diseases. Um, yeah, so there's a wealth of data there. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, for most people as well, once you start eating more vegetables and you just start dropping out processed sugary foods, um, <laughs> and you start eating organic, uh, you start eating probiotic, tomato foods. I mean, it's going to make a world of difference, right? It's it's just a completely different stance on things. Um, and vegan for, I mean, when you look at most, I mean, you still see vegans. Some some vegans have problems with. After a while, I have had clients before who have been vegan for a long time and had problems. Um, but 
you also see people thriving on it and a lot of the time it's in, I'd, I'd say it's individual um, you've obviously been vegan for 40 years you say you've had no problems whatsoever so that's testament in itself um, uh, I think the individualization of things it needs to be pushed more than blanket in my opinion but that's just my <laughs> opinion and uh, so if you go if you're going into it I actually want to touch a little bit just to say in your opinion um, would you say people to go vegan? Is it something you progress, or what is the bit? So, for example, if I said to you, what's the biggest cause of of heart disease in your opinion, and what would be the things people could do to stay away from it? Well, it, it's a complex program. I mean, there's no reason that we are throwing the baby out with the bathwater. The baby being the Framingham study, the Seven Countries study, the um, some of these early epic studies that identified, you know, it's predominantly five factors, smoking, presence of diabetes, presence of high blood pressure, presence of high cholesterol, and a strong family history of early heart disease in mom, dad, brother, sister. Everybody still needs to get all that measured. Now, we also know now abdominal obesity, exercise, standing or lack thereof, sleep or poor sleep, sleep apnea psoriasis, mm-hmm. rheumatoid arthritis, the list goes on and on. And mm-hmm. along with that are the blood work. The blood work has gotten much more advanced. So we can do advanced cholesterol panels and know your particle number and your particle size. I'm a huge fan. Everybody on this uh, interview has heard about this heart calcium scan. Everybody needs to hear about lipoprotein A. It's a form of cholesterol in the United States. Mm-hmm. Maybe 5% or less of people ever get it checked even though it just costs a few dollars lipoprotein A, L-I-P-O protein A. Mm-hmm. It's the European Society of Atherosclerosis does advise that everybody get a check. So I don't know if it's done more commonly in the UK and uh, European Union or not. No, I never but, heard of it. You know, you may have you may have a sky high level. It's genetic. You can be eating perfect and running, and your arteries are getting beat up by this stuff. So you just got to get it checked. And mm-hmm. I still measure homocysteine and other. Uh, other things so um, I do the whole thing I think you have to I mean you just mentioned running there I, I said some of the studies um, show that I think it's a blood releases this is the thing people say exercise and, and diet as well but some people will take it to extremes um, and I think it was the blood releases the same amount of enzymes after a marathon as it does after a heart attack so for people out there who think like more is better in terms of exercise and just running ultra distances, etc., what would you say to them? Um, I would say that there is in most things a dose, and the worst dose of exercise is none. Yeah. Uh, and your highest risk for cancer, dementia, and certainly heart disease, obesity, and diabetes. But there may be an excess. There may be the person that runs ultra marathon after ultra marathon after ultra marathon. Um, there actually has been a toll identified. Higher risk of irregular heartbeats called fibrillation. Could be some scarring in the heart. Could be rarely even a little heart disease. And the, the really important message is you're not insulated from heart disease if you're a runner. Right. You're also not insulated from heart disease if you're a vegan. Because most people haven't been vegan their whole life. And even that doesn't guarantee it. And most people haven't been marathoners their whole life. The famous case in America in the 70s of Jim Fix, who had a book of running that was a national bestseller, and he dropped dead at age 52, famously saying, I can eat whatever I want whenever I want to because I run 20 miles a day, and his arteries were all clogged up. You know, you can't. 
you can run and have a cholesterol of 400 for genetic reasons. So you really need to look at all the perspectives and there does seem to be kind of a sweet spot to exercise, but you can do all. You know, if you enjoy fitness, you can do a whole lot of it, but you have to ask yourself, why are you doing your 20-second marathon unless it defines your life? And, and just for people out there, what would, um, in, your, in your opinion, what are, the, are good levels of cholesterol in the blood? I mean, cholesterol, cholesterol, um, cholesterol is very important for the body, right? To make, it's a precursor for a lot of sex hormones. And- yeah, it, 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 is, it is a precursor to vitamin D and sex hormones and all the rest, cortisol. But, you know, there's most native populations, their cholesterol is 110, 120, and they have all the vitamin D and testosterone and estrogen they need. You know, I have patients that have a cholesterol of 350, and I know that's the English term, so let's say 7, and... Um, and uh, their vitamin D is low and their testosterone is low. It's, uh, again, a complex. I would like my cholesterol to be low. I'd, I'd like my cholesterol due to genetics, lifestyle, and diet uh, to be, you know, 150 in the American system or maybe about 4 or 4.5, something like that. And maybe uh, I'm stretching a bit there because I don't have a conversion table. That's all right. That's fine. That's, fine. That's cool. So you like it to be, to be quite low. And in your yeah. opinion... Um, so you think some of the things you've been saying here, you know, people I interview, it's going to be completely the opposite. So it's, it's interesting. I like to give my audience just a, it's just not me, my opinion. It's just like going out there to interview the best people or the specialists in their areas. And it's really interesting to hear some people, what they say. Um, this will be quite interesting. Statins. What are your take on statins? I mean, there's a lot of things out there. Statin Nation, of, uh, of the film on it. Um, there's a lot of bad publicity with statins. Um, what would be your take on statins? Well, you you know, for some reason, the English medical community is split, and it's well represented by the British Medical Journal being the ones that seem to question everything and uh, wanting to throw out convention. And uh, the Lancet and Oxford and, and Professor Rory Collins seeming to hold the uh, old school, which doesn't mean bad school. So... Dr. Collins, a very esteemed professor, just published in the last six months a 30-page paper reviewing everything about statins, concluding the safety was far better um, you know, than any risk. I generally agree with his assessment, even though I don't want to be on a statin. I want to control it with lifestyle and diet and changes. I mean, why use a pill if I don't need to? Um, whereas, uh, you know, there's, but, but a statin has a role in medicine where... It seems like the BMJ and Dr. Pascal Meyer seem to constantly take the opposite end. And same is true with diet. I mean, you're going to find much more conventional dietary comments coming out of the UK and the Lancet group of doctors. And the BMJ is talking all about putting butter in your coffee. And, um, you know, I know the crowd pretty well, Dr. Asim Malhotra and such. You know, and they're just, they're just they've gone, they've, they've lost their minds. Uh, no disrespect to some very bright people. Right now, I mean, there's a big. You've got a guy over in the USA called David Asprey who talks about bulletproof coffee, and 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 it's got quite a big following. Um, talking about how it's the, called erection-proof coffee. Erection-proof coffee. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. I mean, it's a. Uh, it. I mean, the, the theory behind it. I'm guessing animal proteins, where we can use them better. Um, they say look at, look at the Inuits they look at different populations etc and they talk about the studies from there uh, Western Price for example uh, Dr. Western Price um, they go into studies to that so I'm sure you're familiar with all this but it's, yeah. Uh, yeah so 
the funny thing is when mm, I'd say for myself when I take when I get people just to eat real food it's a big change rather than eating that's that's what I've tried to say to everyone just try and eat real food you're going to notice a big difference um, so in your opinion overall you'd say statins when they're needed but only when they're needed that's sort of yeah, well, one, one approach the approach I use in my clinic I mean if your cholesterol is 450 or say 8 or 9 something extremely high you know if it looks to be a genetic basis there's very often a need for it because you are at tremendous risk anybody that questions that cholesterol doesn't matter you know let me tell you about 12 year olds I've seen who needed stents and bypass as they have a genetic and the only thing wrong with them is their cholesterol is high it's nothing else cholesterol matters cholesterol 400 matters uh, in American units um, so that's one approach if you're you know if you're sky high common sense has to come in place the other is if you're the average person your cholesterol is average there's an approach that says determine if there's any artery disease and that's where this CAT scan comes in somebody with an average cholesterol and the CAT scan of the heart is abnormal they need much more attention to their lifestyle and their cholesterol than somebody who has a perfect zero score on the CAT scan and they have time and maybe never need a prescription drug they need a lot of broccoli and kale and beans and peas and nuts and seeds but maybe they can get away um, uh, and also yeah I do differentiate people not um, just on their preference and all but also on whether their arteries prove to be healthy or not Awesome. I mean, we'll be speaking, I know you've got to rush off in a minute, so I'll just say the last thing I was going to say, I think I heard you say um, 80% of heart conditions can be prevented. Do you stand by that? Yes, I do. I do. It's actually not even questionable. It's, uh, it's known science because, you know, even though we can talk about all kinds of fancy stuff like lipoprotein A, which I do care about, it boils down to do you smoke or do you not smoke? Do you eat multiple servings, fruits, vegetables, and whole grains a day, or do you not, which means you're eating processed food that is not providing nutrients and it's probably driving your blood sugar and your blood cholesterol. And it boils down to you move your body. Do you move your body in a gym or at work or on a walking path? And those three components alone are the 80% that have been shown uh, smoking. It's what's called feet, fingers, fork. Do you move your feet? Do you use your fingers to smoke? And what do you put your fork in? And they make the difference. That's uh, huge. Um, thank you very much for, the, for the, taking the time to speak to us. There. And I think that's for everyone. I mean, the holistic approach or just the way to health, getting you to move, eat better, um, it's going to make a big difference and you start looking into mind. So thank you very much for that, um, Joel. That's, people can find you. I mean, you're a restaurant as well in, in, in Michigan. And that's at uh, greenspacecaf.com. And you've also got the Khan Longevity Center at KhanLongevityCenter.com to, to get in contact with you. So thank you very much for taking the time out to speak to us today, Joe. I know you're very busy, so I'm going to say goodbye. But thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, you are very kind. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Enjoy your day. Thank you. And you. See you later, Joe. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye-bye. So, guys, that was Episode 7 with Dr. Joe Khan. Let me know your thoughts. I'm sure that's... I'm sure that's um, been very, very educational, I should say, to a lot of people, especially around the different tests that you can get and how important it is to just keep healthy for your heart and, and 
how your life can just be cut short at a fraction of a second if you're not doing these things right i mean so often we look at our external health um and look i always say this is a statement i've used quite a lot you can you can you can look good and not be healthy but if you're healthy you're generally going to look good and so often people look to their external health and think i'm looking okay but they're eating all the wrong stuff and genetically they've just they've been luckily lucky that they've been born with a fast metabolism and they've been able to burn fat really well they've got very they burn an incredible amount of calories per day but that doesn't tell you how their heart health is what is their their internal health like are their arteries getting clogged or or are they just hugely toxic on the inside? So this all these things that people just don't think about, where they just look in the mirror and think, I'm not looking too bad. And they don't actually see food as something that actually builds every single cell of your body, from your bones to your skin to your organs, your heart. Everything you're putting in your body is you. And I know you've got, got to live and you've got to enjoy your human experience. So if you're doing things right 80 to 85, 90% of the time, you're going to be fine. But when you just start to not take care of yourself, get stressed, the stat about meditation... Um, cutting your chance of getting a heart attack by 50%. That's huge. Or, or a current heart attack by 50%. That's huge. So hopefully you've got some real food for thought in that interview, guys. Um, and you've really, um, you can really take some of that on board because it's a huge, it's a hugely important topic that doesn't get covered enough. Cancer's always out there are being all over the adverts and and obviously, I'm not going to get into those adverts and those and those those charities, uh, which I, I might do my own podcast on that at another time. But um, heart health isn't something that gets spoken about a lot, and it needs to be. It needs to be spoken about more. So I really hope that, that interview got you thinking, guys. And the next interview we've got up is all about probiotics with. A guy I met over Instagram, which is going to be really interesting for you. Okay, guys? So, as always, take on board. Hope you take some of that, some of the interview on board, some of the stuff Joe was talking about there, and take it to heart and you can use it. And um, just keep, th- just try and keep making healthy choices every day. You don't have to go, I don't, I always say this to people as well, I don't expect to be some guru meditating on top of a mountain. Um, but if you can just make every day, just extra healthy choice or just every day a one little percent improve it's going to go a long way to keeping you healthy um and happy as well because as soon as you lose your health yeah you've you lose everything um it doesn't matter how much money you've got if you get diagnosed with some extreme illness you you'll spend as much as you can to get rid of it so anyway guys i look forward to episode eight and as always Stay happy, stay healthy, and I'll speak to you soon. If you're struggling with gut issues, such as gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, indigestion, heartburn, and want to finally be able to eat the foods you love without the crippling after effects, then don't forget to head over to reviveyourself.co and pick up your free copy of The Healing Health Paradigm today. 